Hello and welcome to The Amateur Austinite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. However, I am underqualified for my job as I am and have always been an enthusiastic amateur. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 21 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and I have a special guest, my friend Catherine. Hi. In Chapter 21, Mr. Collins starts to move on Charlotte and Caroline starts to separate Jane and Bingley. The girls walk into Meryton and they meet Mr. Wickham and then they bring him home to meet their parents. You should have probably put that in there as well. I think that's an important part. You've got kind of three segments. The finishing of the thing with Mr. Collins and him moving on and then you've got this sort of continuance and slight building of the thing with Wickham and Lizzie starting to get all interested in him and then you've got this letter from Caroline Bingley who who's basically ending this relationship between Jane and Charles so two relationships are ending and one relationship starting sort of you think in this chapter yeah uh, Mr Collins is not only is he sulking about the fact that that Lizzie's turned him down but he's being making it super super awkward by insisting that he's gonna stay the full amount of time and not doing what any normal person would do which was basically I've just been uh brutally rejected so I think I'm gonna cut my visit short so he refuses to pack up and leave yeah pretty much like the worst house guest ever <laughs> <laughs> And he transfers his affections to Miss Lucas. Well, yeah, he does, but not in this in this chapter. He's he's literally just sort of trying to make himself feel better, and it sort of feels like it's more um, he's more venting his his hurt feelings onto uh, Charlotte, who seems to be the only person oh, by dint of the fact that she's the only person who'll actually listen to him. Poor Charlotte. Poor, poor Mr. Collins. Maybe he doesn't deserve that. He wouldn't take a hint. Uh, and then Lizzie had to be quite brutal with him. I mean, you know, it's not his fault that he's the way that he is. But I'm kind of surprised, actually, that, that Charlotte seems to actually readily volunteer herself to, like, hang around uh, the Bennett's house and listen to Mr. Collins complain when Mrs. Bennett's upstairs having vapours. Presumably Mr. Bennett's in his library where he always is. And the girls are just anywhere that Mr. Collins is not because they've basically had it up to, up to here with him and his behaviour. And so Charlotte's willing to take Elizabeth's cast-offs. It's kind of a, it's a bit strange, actually, the way that she... You can come and cry on my shoulder, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's an excellent match. He is an excellent match. It's something that Elizabeth hasn't noticed, but, yeah. you know, she'd get to stay living in her home, and Charlotte's well aware of that. Charlotte's aware that she doesn't really have any dowry, and she would get to live Who, Elizabeth with... doesn't really have a dowry. No, neither of them do, really. Uh, Elizabeth's got a thousand pounds, which isn't really much. That's true, and actually, on paper, it is an excellent match. On paper. Yeah. It's a shame, it's just that it's Mr. Collins. If Elizabeth was a different woman, then she might... If she was Charlotte, then she probably would do the numbers and go, well, actually, 
there's more in the pros column than the cons and oh, I'll just take him because nobody else might come along. But she doesn't and um, Charlotte, who's clearly sort of a bit more... Pragmatic? Yeah, uh, decides that, um, well, better the devil you know, so we'll take this one, thank you, <laughs> if he's around, if he's on offer and uh, then I don't have to worry about it anymore. I was interested that you think this is a chapter where Elizabeth and Wickham's relationship starts to grow because there's a bit where you can tell that she's very clearly not in love with him. Uh, When she sees Jane gets the letter and she feels an anxiety on the subject which drew her attention even from Wickham, which is showing she's not in love with him, I think, at this point, if you could say that Elizabeth is ever in love with Wickham. See, and I read that on the completely the opposite side. I was Ooh. just like, it, it, she was, her, Jane's anxiety was so strong in her and Elizabeth's worrying about her was so strong that she even drew her attention away from Wickham. Even Wickham. It's that yeah. even that makes it, yeah. that could go either way. I see, I read it where um, they talked about, uh, she talked about wanting to um, introduce him to her parents And so that sort of says to me, well, you know, while it might have just been a little flirtation at the beginning, and then she's also talking about she highly approved of his forbearance um, after he makes the comment about, you know, it was better for me not to be at the the Netherfield uh, party because it would be really embarrassing. (laughs) It could be really embarrassing if me and Darcy were in the same room. I mean, he doesn't say it exactly like that. The fact that she seems to be kind of quite readily and spontaneously attaching herself to him. It's kind of surprising, actually. And they're having private conversations. There's this dash in the third paragraph where there's the he publicly says that he didn't go to the ball, and then after the dash, he privately says to Elizabeth, he voluntarily acknowledged that the necessity of his absence had been self-imposed. Yeah. So that's a, there's that public bit and then the private bit, like they're having this thing that's just between the two of them. And that dash is the bit that separates it. That's kind of actually then even like more surprising to me anyway, that if he's saying one thing in public and something slightly different, I mean, it's kind of understandable, right? You Your public face and your private face are usually quite different, but she seems to me as someone who doesn't approve of, two-faced liars but here's one right in front of her and she can't see him exactly and not only that but she approves of it Mm -hmm. it's kind of surprising actually it's this is yeah this is kind of really unlike elizabeth uh i mean we don't really get to see her relationships with many uh men of course but this is completely unlike her relationship with darcy and she seems to be very open to forming a relationship with Wickham. Because he's charming. Well, and he's easy, right? It's yeah. It's easy to, to like him and... It's easier to like the Wickhams and the Darcys. The people you have to actually look to see their value, it's that much harder. And most people don't bother. There was quite a lot of this whole Wickham relationship in quite a short chapter, uh, which was mostly taken up with the letter. But, you know, in just that little bit, there was quite a lot of building this relationship with Wickham and things seemed to be going along at quite a good pace. 
we get three parts of the letter, but we don't just have the letter just plonked in the middle of the chapter. She talks about it in three separate bits. She's kind of, uh, Jane Austen seems to sort of be manipulating and twisting your emotions a bit to mm. sort of... Higher impact? To, to further the story so that, you know, she builds the, the climax. Because presumably the way that Caroline wrote the letter would have just been start to finish. From what I get from just the sort of context and the way that Jane talks about bits of the letter, she isn't reading it out chronologically as it was written. She's reading out the bits as the conversation between her and Lizzie denotes the different bits of the letter. But yeah, and it sort of starts off basically saying, well, they've left and um, we, must keep, we must keep in touch. Like people do, you know, when you like when you meet someone and then you like you leave and you're like, oh, we must keep in touch. We must we must email. We'll meet up for coffee or something. And you never do. And you never do. Um, and that's just what it's just what Caroline's doing. Um, although there is a bit later on when she's like, oh, I would. I'm so disappointed that um, you won't be around uh, London at Christmas time. She has these little bits of the letter and then Lizzie has to kind of rebut them, which I guess wouldn't work if you just read out the whole letter in its entirety because it would be too much for her to to rebut in one go. Because, mm. yeah, and Jane is looking for that. She says, what do you think of this sentence, my dear Lizzie? She's wanting her to say something about it, not yeah. just listen to the letter. But it makes Jane quite despondent, I think, and she doesn't really... I don't think she really buys what Lizzie's saying. No. That that Bingley's going to come back. No, no, she doesn't. I mean, you know, um, Elizabeth is trying to bolster her sister's emotions and stop her from falling into a funk because Lizzie needs Jane around to deal with her parents and everything else and you know she, so she needs Lizzie to be hopeful and believing that um what Lizzie sees herself which is Bingley's crazy about Jane is you know she has to keep kind of reminding her sister of that but of course Jane's immediately like my boyfriend's gone and he's never coming back woe is me I mean she's not wrong to think that though. no she's not She's completely not, and especially with Caroline doing her utmost best to slip the knife in. We're leaving for London. We're probably we're probably not coming back. I really don't see us coming back. And then we and should then, stay in touch. Yeah, we should stay in touch, but we won't, of course. Um, oh, and I'm so sad that you won't be around in London at Christmas time. And then, of course, we go into the whole knife in the ribs. But between you and me, uh, this is, I reckon that Charles is going to end up with Georgiana because she's amazing and she's beautiful and talented and, you know, who wouldn't love her? And he admires her greatly already. She and hasn't he, said they are engaged. No, or even that he's particularly got strong feelings for Georgiana that he's told her about. I think when Charles is most capable, sorry, when I call Charles... Uh, most capable of engaging any any woman's heart. I'm indulging in the hope of an event which will secure the happiness of so many. 
it sort of sounds like I really hope that if Charles, you know, puts some effort into it, then um, I can get my heart's desire and he can marry Georgiana, which will leave the way open for me to marry his, uh, to marry her brother. And that seems really transparent, at least for Elizabeth. Mr. Bingley marries Miss Darcy, then Mr. Darcy might marry Miss Bingley. Yeah, not that she cares because she doesn't even really like Darcy at this point. Elizabeth. So one of the, my favorite quote from this chapter, um, it was about Jane's hope um, that Bingley would return to Netherfield and answer every wish of her heart. It sounds oh. like such a classic line from a romance novel, doesn't it? She wants Bingley to return and answer every wish of her heart by saying that he loves her and wanting to marry her. But it's so Jane. Like it's so Jane. Elizabeth would never say something like, that where she wants a man to answer every wish of her heart it's jane in some way a bit more simple than elizabeth then to me kind of jane's always kind of um struck me as somebody who you know has this expectations out of life like she just wants to be happy which is pretty in itself a pretty huge expectation but yeah. she literally just wants to be happy and have a happy life and you know, I, I feel like Lizzie wants to do it all and be it all and have it all as much as any woman can at that time. So Jane would be like the sort of person now who just wants to get married and have babies, whereas Lizzie wants to have a career and travel and get married and have babies. And be a CEO yep. of a Fortune 500 company all yep. before the age of 40. Yep, all totally. That. But, but there were some bits that made me laugh, mostly at the beginning where she was describing Mr. Collins sulking. Just the, just the way with some nice alliteration about assiduous attentions that just made me burst out laughing. Uh, I love that when it says that he had been so sensible of himself, i.e. he knew he was giving her attentions, but no one else recognised it. I did sort of mention to you that there was some stuff in there that I found quite hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Um there was a bit about the bit at the end of the the first the first little snippet of the letter where she basically Caroline's open letter would say you know we must meet up and let's still be friends and keep in touch blah 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 and Elizabeth goes well you know that's all just gobbledygook so we just ignore all of that it's politeness it's politeness but it doesn't mean anything yeah yeah um but then she says it was not to be supposed that their absence from Netherfield would prevent Mr. Bingley's being there. And as to the loss of their society, she was persuaded that Jane must cease to regard it in the enjoyment of his. And the thing I commented to you yesterday, I was just like, I don't understand. But it didn't really come across very clearly to me. And I suppose possibly that's because I'm a modern woman and... The way it's written? Yeah, the way it's written sort of leads, you know, it's a little bit of obfuscation to me, I guess. It's a bit of um, confusion around who she's talking about and and, uh, whose absence and is it Bingley's absence or Caroline's absence? And then you were just like, well, basically they're just saying the fact that Caroline, her sister and Hurst and Darcy are gone doesn't mean that Bingley has to be gone Mm -hmm. and also... Jane will probably be able to be completely happy with Bingley, Without even if hangers on. all the rest of them aren't there. Yeah. Probably she would be more happy with Bingley if all the rest of them weren't there. Maybe it was meant to be slightly, you know, not straightforward. 
You think so? Yeah, which is kind of strange considering I didn't really get this confusion anywhere else uh, in the chapter, even when she's talking about um, all of Caroline's machinations. You know, Jane Austen, while she uses words like no writer, modern writer does today just beautifully because it's an art form can really deliver her meaning and her message irrelevant of the language uh, and nothing makes you confused at all but I think there are times when she possibly does you know she plays with the language I mean if you're a writer you do that right you use the language to convey things that you don't necessarily want to come right out and say so, you know, you play with words and you change the order around and the... Well, she is very wordy. If you look at that sentence that you were you were just talking about, the last couple of clauses of that sentence, that Which sentence is... is a really, really long sentence. Yeah. And that makes them harder to understand, I think. Because you've got to understand each clause and then in relation to the other clauses of the sentence. I mean, it is. It's incredibly... It's about half a dozen um But she, she could have just long. said, you know... Um, Jane wouldn't, the sisters not being there wouldn't prevent Bingley from coming home and nor would their absence make Jane unhappy since she'd have Bingley to spend time with. That's what she's saying, but she said it in a kind of a roundabout way with some very pretty language. I did like the bit at the end where they basically decided that, well, they had to tell their mother about the letter. They're just going to kind of judiciously edit out bits and... Um, downplay the whole Bingley's never coming back because couldn't you just imagine the screaming and wails of anguish in the house if Mrs Bennett heard that Bingley's never coming back? I mean, she does manage to have a few fits about it anyway. Oh, even yeah. though it's only, you know, and he's a neighbour. She, no, she has no right to get so upset about it, really. Well, yeah, but she does in her mind because she's she's got Bingley pinned for one of her daughters Bingley is going to be Jane's husband she's decided so um it doesn't really do for him to sod off and go back to London to sod off back to London okay and that is our summary of chapter 21 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen thank you for being here Catherine thanks for having me this has been quite exciting you can tell Catherine talks a lot more than me (laughs) maybe she should be the one with the podcast oh no (laughs) Uh, my name is Frances Duncan you've been listening to the Amateur Austenite you can find me on francisduncanwrites.com and on twitter at francis underscore duncan thank you for listening and I wish you happy reading just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now I haven't actually got merch with my face on it That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!